Welcome to River Edge Podcasts. We hope this message inspires and encourages you today. While you're standing, Father, thank you for your spirit that you've poured out on all mankind, on all flesh. Thank you for your Holy Spirit ministering to us today. Spirit of truth, spirit of revelation, spirit of nurture, spirit of comfort, spirit of peace. Thank you for speaking to us individually as I corporately speak. Father, I thank you for bringing answers, bringing a word in season, bringing a rhema word today for situations and circumstances. Regardless of what I speak, Father, may you have your way. May you speak through me. I just want to be a vessel today. Who's ready to hear a word from God? Something to encourage them, something to lift them up. Grab your seats, give the Lord a hand, shake hands with someone around you. And then when you get all that done, we'll finish up and go home. (laughs) <laughs> so good to see you. Thank you, Carol. Oh, Roy Boss. Roy Boss. Lekker. Ah, donkey. Going all Afrikaans. Harmony. Harmony. Who likes harmony? Only a few of you. One said yes. The rest of you looked at me like, do I have to wake up now? That was a little bit of sleeper music, wasn't it? Come on. That song, when I, that came on in my car, I had to like really steal myself because it was like, you know, you'd be driving your car. And my soul will let you I know, I can feel you. Like, it's, it calms you down, doesn't it? There's something about a beat that's in harmony with our bodies. See, if they were, if they were running at 150 beats a minute, you know, it would be abrasive to our heartbeat and you'd be amped up right now going, come on, Steve, come on. But you know, that lulled us into a time of like, hmm. It was 150. Oh, sh- it was a slow 150. So it was 75. So it was up a little bit on our heart rate. Whose resting heart rate is around 75 beats a minute? No one knows. I know what my heart rate is because of my smartphone, I'm a watchy thingy that's going to now probably... No, it's not going to interfere with the microphone this time at all. Harmony. Do you know that your body desires harmony? It does. Do you know that your mind desires harmony? Your soul craves harmony. You might think, no, nah, I, like I like to be shaken up a little bit. I, no, you desire harmony. Everything in creation desires harmony. In fact, everything in creation fairly well in the universe is in the harmony. Who noticed last Sunday night the incredible full moon as it rose, and it was enormous. If you go out, you can still catch it. We're in the quarter moon right at the moment. We're about to go into the waning gibbous, oh, sorry, the waning crescent, people. Come on, have a good look, good look at the moon. Do you know what? This year, there are going to be three super moons. April starts April 26th. Then we get a pink moon, and then we get, I don't know, another covered, colored moon, because the moon is in its closest pedigree. I think that's the word. Pedigree, which is its cycle around the earth, it's the closest at the moment. And we're going to get three supermoons, three enormous moons. So last Sunday, 
was just the sign of the next supermoon that's going to be even bigger. Or this, and there's something about the harmony of that. The moon is in a perfect place. It's weighted so beautifully. It has a, a weight on the other side of it. It's off balance so that it, we only ever see one face of the moon. It does not rotate around us. It just is constant with a face facing us. God's balance. And it affects the tides on the earth, which keep the everything from the diatomes in the ocean releasing um, oxygen. It keeps the flow. It keeps life on the planet. You would not believe how important the moon is to the harmony and the existence of life on the planet. I'm not exciting you, am I? Come on. This moon that you just go, oh, look, isn't that a pretty moon? Oh, it's a bright moon. Where's the moon tonight? No, no. The moon has such an effect on our lives. The sun has an incredible effect on our life. But so does the moon. Both the sun and the moon are emblems that God put in the sky to give light to the earth. Oh, I love this. This is after light was already created when God said, let there be light and the Holy Spirit was hovering over the waters, ready to move, ready to... And that word, let there be, is the same word as amen. So the Holy Spirit's hovering. Jesus is ready to move. He's the word. By him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that was created. And then the Father in his divine time says, let there be or amen light. And they all were in agreement. I loved how Kyle brought that out. They were all in agreement and bang, amen light, amen firmament, amen sky and earth. You know, all this disagreement, this harmony, God wants us to live in harmony. That was the plan. In the garden, in the, in the beginning, he would walk and talk with, with Adam in the cool of the evening. The harmony there. Then it was broken. It was disrupted. We were deceived. We were conned. We took on a con form. A conned form. We took on the form of being subject to the rules of another. When, we, when mankind sinned, it brought us under the authority because we submitted to Satan. We then come under the authority of Satan, the ruler of this world. He's cast down now. But God's plan was for us to live in harmony, to live in harmony. And um, today is Passover. Happy Passover. Aren't you glad you didn't get passed over? You're really quiet this morning. Ah, that was a hooah. Come on. So Passover is a time that the, the Hebrew nation celebrates the, the release of Israel from captivity in Egypt. This is interesting though, because why were they in Egypt? They were in Egypt to be saved from the famine that, that Israel and his children were facing. And Joseph was sent to Egypt by being sold to the Ishmaelites. And then he was ended up in Egypt in authority over Egypt. He was virtually Pharaoh because he was Pharaoh's second in, hand, in charge. He did everything that Pharaoh told him to do. In fact, Pharaoh just said, ah, you take over. You're doing a great job. I really love you. I really do. It's working out. And so Joseph is leading the whole thing. Isaac comes up, sorry, Jacob comes over with his family and they stay there. It was prophesied to his forefather, Abraham, that, his, that Israel was going to spend 400 years in Egypt. 
But at the end of this time, they weren't in harmony. They weren't in harmony because they were enslaved by a Pharaoh who didn't know God or fear God or remember Joseph. So here they are. But then they get in harmony. They get in harmony with their voices and their voices start crying out, deliver us. Deliver us. Lord, deliver us. Help us. Save us. Save our lives from this existence. Save us from what we are in. The harmony that they had when they came into the land of the Goshen and Pharaoh gave them the best land in the, that they could have and they were, they were raising their sheep and they were really prosperous. They were so prosperous and in such harmony that they outgrew the Egyptian nation, which was the greatest nation on the face of the earth at that time. And they were afraid of Israel, so they enslaved Israel. Israel's now crying out, save us, help us, save us, God. And so God comes with Moses and with Aaron and with a staff and brings 10 plagues on the mightiest nation on the face of the earth at the time. 10 natural disasters or unnatural or supernatural disasters that absolutely obliterated the greatest nation on the earth. And each one of these plagues was a, was a sign, each plague was actually against a god of Egypt. So it was the god of heaven actually saying, I have authority over this god of Egypt, this god of Egypt. Ten times he actually said, I have authority over this god of Egypt, this god of Egypt. I have even authority over Ra, the sun god. I'll make it black. This god of Egypt, this god. I have, oh, fertility. I have the authority over the frog god of fertility that you Egyptians have. That's why it says in the, in the Bible, do you notice the frog god? When the frogs come, that's actually the god of fertility, and it says, and that if frogs were even in their bedchambers, that was because of the fertility side of things. Isn't that amazing? So the final plague was the death of the firstborn. Firstborn child, firstborn animals, firstborn everything was killed. But God said to Israel, to the nation, to the children of Israel, get a lamb, sacrifice the lamb, has to be a lamb without blemish, and then you need to eat this lamb. But before you have the meal, you need to get the blood and you need to paint it on the top of the door and on the sides of the door. And it dripped down, some saying forming the, you know, like the outline of a cross on the doorway as it dripped from the head down to the, um, to the door jam, lintel thingy. And when the angel of, the, of death came, he would see the lamb that had been slain. He would see the blood of the lamb on the doorway. And because of that lamb's blood on the doorway and because of God's promise, this spirit would pass over. It said that night there was such wailing in Egypt like never had seen before because the firstborn of everything, everyone had died except Israel, except those that partook in the Passover. The Passover was such a special time because it was a point where God started bringing harmony and an example of what was going to happen because through Israel, through the line of Judah, was going to come the Messiah, the Lamb of God, that John the Baptist said, the cousin of Jesus said, here comes the Lamb of God, the Lamb that was slain before the foundations of the world because he was the Lamb that was going to ultimately be slain, that was going to be offered, that was going to be sacrificed for all of mankind. It's coming up to Anzac Day. Next month, Anzac. On the 25th is Anzac Day. Is that right? 25th? 
On the 26th is the supermoon, so don't forget that. 25th Anzac Day, 26th supermoon. Ah, we're in for a great show. Nothing? Okay. Are you just absorbing this or what? Is that, is that what's happening? Okay, I, I just want to read the room right. Just know I'm not putting you to sleep because if I am, I'll do something different. No, I won't. So Anzac Day is the commemoration. It's a commemoration of the first storming of Gallipoli beaches by Australian and New Zealanders where we lost enormous amounts of, of young men that all died in that, in that confrontation. It was the first engagement that Australia and New Zealand entered into in World War I. It's been over 100 years since that, that date. It's been over 75 years since the end of the Second World War. As of September last year, it had been 75 years since the end of the Second World War. I've been watching some documentaries lately because I'm just astounded at what it takes an individual to lay down their life for someone else. As Kylie said this morning, no greater love. Or was it Ash? One of you did. You did. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you for that direction. No greater love. The greatest love that we have is to lay down our life. This is the amount of people. There were 75 million casualties in World War II. Potentially 75 million people died during the period between 1939 and 1945 in the Second World War. This war was meant to be, well, the First World War was meant to be the war to end all wars. And then only a few decades later, we're in the second one, second war. Jesus said, you won't know the day or the hour, but you'll know the seasons when there's wars and rumours of wars. And the 20th century on, we've seen more wars than I think we've seen in the rest of history combined. There's just been so much of that. Know the day, not the day or the hour, but the season. So 75 million. Russia lost some 24 million. Germany, eight, nearly 9 million people. China lost... 20 million people. Japan lost 3.1 million. The United States, 420,000. United Kingdom, 450,000. Australia lost 40,000 people during Second World War. New Zealand lost nearly 12,000 people during the Second Now, you might say, why am I reading those out? They're actually casualties of military personnel and also civilians. After D-Day, when the, on June 6th, I remember June 6th, every year because um, Kylie and I were actually given the leadership of the church on June 6th. We had our own D-Day. Not joking. Um, <laughs> we stormed the beaches. So <laughs> oh, that's another story for another time. Some of the heaviest casualties, civilian, civilian casualties, came in the liberation of France. It didn't come in the the actual occupation of France. It came in the liberation. So many people lost their lives. Civilians lost their lives in the freeing. So many lives were laid down. So many lives were sacrificed where people chose to sacrifice themselves so someone else could live. But that live was just to have their breath. It wasn't so they could live and have an abundant life. It wasn't so that they had a lifestyle that was full of all this stuff. It was purely to keep their breath in their body and their limbs moving and their mind thinking. That's what it was. They saved the lives, the breath of others. I wonder how many people were crying out in in trenches or crying out in bunkers or crying out in their homes. And I was talking to somebody during the break and I I just mentioned to them, you know, we were talking about the message. And he said, "I, I read a story about 
how there was a record of this young girl. She was sitting with a family and they're in their room in London during the, the Blitz, the London Blitz, where they're just bombing. See, Germany thought if they bomb civilians, then they'll break the back, they'll break the heart of Britain. And the actual opposite happened. Britain rose up during the, the Blitz. And this one family, they were sitting, singing hymns in their house and a bomb landed on the house next door and blew it up. They paused for a second and then kept on singing. And they said there was something powerful about the harmony in their voices at the time because they were singing not just to sing a song, they were singing because the words of deliverance and salvation that they were proclaiming in the song actually meant a lot to them. There's people today that are crying out, help me, save me, save my life. Whatever it might be. I, I was just thinking about this earlier and I wrote down some of the things that we it's not just, there's so many people crying out to save me from something or save me for something. It's, it's like, you know, I'm, I'm fighting so that I, I can keep my, my financial independence. I'm, I'm fighting so that I can keep my, my status of living. I'm fighting so that I can keep my, just my peace in my home. I'm fighting so that I can get my wants, my desires, my needs. I'm fighting, I'm fighting for these things, but it's all just about my lifestyle or just my breath. It's not about my soul. There have been so many records of people laying down their lives to save the breath of others. But there's only one time in all of history that a human being has laid down their life not to save the breath of someone else, but to actually save the soul of someone else. And not just the soul of someone else, but the souls of everybody who will believe the message, who will believe the message that the, the God of creation is the Father of Jesus, that Jesus came to deliver us from the contamination and the, the law of sin and release us into freedom of life. That's harmony. What Jesus fought for, what Jesus died for, was to bring us harmony. God kept, he didn't just put, the Father didn't just put Jesus on the cross. The Father kept Jesus on the cross. Because at any point when he was being accused by the centurions, hey, if you call yourself the Son of God, hey, why don't you just get off the cross? Why don't you do a miracle, hey? And he, he was. He was staying on the cross. Oh, me? If I was Jesus, those centurions would be glad that I wasn't Jesus. Because if I was Jesus, I was like, you? You know, like gone, lightning bolt or just smoking bits of centurion armor left on the ground there but no Jesus watched them actually cast lots for his clothes and Jesus watched them you know until the point where no bone was broken because that was prophesied that the the Passover lamb you weren't allowed to break the bones because that was an indication of who Jesus was going to be and that no bones broken Jesus no bones broken when they came to break his legs as they did the guys on either side they went, nah, he's already dead. Put the spear in the side, blood and water flowed out. His bones weren't broken. There were so many things about Jesus that were fulfilled. So many prophecies. I'm reading out of Matthew 12 today. Where's it gone? The air conditioner has rearranged my Bible. <laughs> Get back here. Matthew 12. In Matthew 12, there is a, a profound um, statement that Jesus makes, and it's in, um, 
oh, where is it? Matthew 12 and 38. Jesse, have you got it in the Passion or NIV? No, go with the NIV. Have you got the NIV? There it is. Then some of the Pharisees came to him and said, show us a miracle. Um, show us a sign. The thing is, though, that if you read Matthew 12 before this, Jesus is doing miracles. Jesus is healing people. Jesus is doing some astounding things. And none of the, the, the law keepers and the Pharisees even noticed them, or they did notice them, but they looked at it the wrong way. At the start of 12, they're talking about the Sabbath. And then Jesus comes into the, no, so there's a guy with a withered hand and they, they go in there and the Pharisees say, is it proper to heal someone on the Sabbath? You know, they, they're goading him. They're trying to con this guy. They're trying to make him mess up. And Jesus says, well, if, if your lamb falls in a ditch on the Sabbath, aren't you going to pick it up and take it out? How much more valuable is a human life than an animal's life? So he heals the guy and the Pharisees go, whoa, and they run off, not going, he healed the guy. His hand just came good. His, he was crippled from birth. His hand was withered. And then his hand just opened up and it's normal now. No, they run off and they go, how can we catch him up? How can we kill this guy? They didn't see it. So when they come to the point where they say, show us a sign, Jesus said, I'm wicked and adulterous generation. That is a pretty big mudsling right there. You wicked and adulterous generation. You, you got your mind, your heart, your eyes set on totally the wrong thing. If only you had your eyes set on God, then you would see the miracles. But because you were asking for it, you're just so wicked and uh, got the wrong heart in you that you're asking for a sign. The only sign you're going to get is the sign of Jonah. What is the sign of Jonah, you might ask? Thank you. Uh, <laughs> three days, Jonah was in the belly of the whale or sea creature or whatever it is that Scripture calls it. In the belly of the whale, three days and three nights. And Jesus said, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the belly of the earth. I actually saw a, um, a TED talk recently by a Muslim cleric who said, I can prove that Jesus isn't the Son of God purely with the Christian celebrations. And he said, Jesus said this, sign of Jonah is what's going to indicate who the Messiah is. And he said, but Jesus wasn't in the grave that long because he died on Friday afternoon. He was in the grave Sunday or Saturday, and then he was away, and then he was alive by Sunday morning. That's not even two days in the grave. Oh, it's two nights, but not even two days in the grave. So has anyone else ever pondered on this? No one. Okay, well, we'll just finish up now. Because I used to wonder when I was younger, you know, three days and three nights, Jesus was in the grave. Wait a minute, Friday night, Saturday night, he's awake on Sunday. Like we're awake, alive, resurrected. How does this work? So I've gone back and looking and I want to just give you a little bit of information today on how to look at this because we actually believe the message and we believe the messenger. We do not worship the celebration. Same as at Christmas time. We don't know when Jesus was actually born. They think it was more around September because there were shepherds out in the fields. So it was a little bit milder weather than December. But we celebrate it in December. It doesn't mean that it has any less power because the power is not in celebrating the celebration. The power is believing the message and the messenger. So when it comes to Easter, we celebrate it because uh, to go back into history, there was a springtime festival. It was pagan. 
pagan festival that the Roman Catholic Church said, oh, well, let's just celebrate Easter at this time of the year, around the, the springtime where people give eggs and it's the new life and everything like that. And so it starts on Friday and goes, and it's, and it's worked off the solar and the lunar um, equinox. Yeah, we just had the, the um, autumn equinox when we get 12 hours of light. There's two times in the year that we get 12 hours of light exactly. That's at the equinox. In the winter solstice, we get eight and a half hours of sunlight every day. And during the summer solstice, we get over 15 and a half hours of sunlight. Are you interested in this? I find this stuff very curiouser and curiouser, that God put all this in harmony. It's the same all the time. It's never changed. We get exactly 12 hours of sunlight. That just blows my mind in this universe that looks so chaotic and so crazy that we get it perfectly balanced. Just shows me the harmony of God. So I want to bring some harmony so that if somebody ever asks you, hey, I don't get this because your Bible says that Jesus is meant to be in the grave three days and three nights, but you celebrate he's only in there a good day and a half and two nights. That's it. Okay, the day, today's Passover. You got that in your head? Tomorrow is a high day. It's the day of unle- the feast of unleavened bread. It is called a Sabbath. It's not a Sabbath because it's not the Saturday, but it is classed as a high day, a holy day, a Sabbath day of rest. Okay, <sighs> how's the best way I can explain this? To look at it properly, for Jesus to be raised on the first day when Mary goes running in there and and goes looking for him and Jesus says, who are you looking for? And she goes, where have they put him? Tell me where they put him, thinking Jesus is there. That's on the Sunday. So if you go back, it has to be on a Wednesday. has to be on a Wednesday that he's actually, Jesus was crucified on a Wednesday. The Passover was on the Thursday. Oh, sorry, the Passover was on the Wednesday. The Feast of Unleavened Bread was on the Thursday, which was a Sabbath, because they had to rush to bury him because the next day was a Sabbath rest day. But if you read in, um, I looked this up so that I could give a bit more clarity. In Luke 23, it says that Mary, um, the mother of James, and Mary Magdalene went and prepared anointing spices and oils before the Sabbath. But in Mark 16.1, it says that they bought them after the Sabbath. So how could that actually be true? Well, both of them are true because they bought them after the Feast of Unleavened Bread, before the Saturday, on the Friday. They prepared them on the, on the Friday, had the Sabbath the next day. They went to the tomb to actually anoint the body with the spices and the oils and everything, but he'd gone. So it was Wednesday night, Thursday, Thursday night, Friday, Friday night. Wait a minute, have I got it right? Wednesday night, Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday. Oh, no, wait a minute. I messed it up. He was gone on Sunday. Because Saturday afternoon, he rose from the grave. Before night fell, we don't know when night fell. Before it changed into Sunday, sometime Jesus rose. And on Sunday morning, she came in there and and found the tomb empty now you might go what does that got to do with anything it got it's got to do with the fulfillment of of prophecy which is we need to understand that God's word is God's word it never changes and if you think well wait a minute this doesn't sound true it, it is true it's just that do you know how many times the calendar has changed 
The Hebrew calendar hasn't, but our calendar, the Julian calendar after Julius Caesar, the Gregorian calendar in the 1600s changed. My notes are going everywhere. <laughs> changed it again. You know, every couple of years, every couple of hundred years, it adds another day on with the Julian calendar. So in the 1500s or 1600s, they had to recorrect it. So I went back looking for when on a Wednesday... This is a rabbit hole, I'm telling you now. I went looking for when the Passover actually fell on a Wednesday. And there's like about eight of them. It could be AD 28, it could be AD 31, it could be AD 33, it could be AD 34. It doesn't matter. The truth is that our calendar has actually been adulterated since then. But the message of the gospel has not. Jesus, when he... Just before they said to him, show us a miracle, he's doing all these miracles. Um, Pharisees went out and conspired against him. It says in verse 14 of chapter 12, you know, and being aware of this, Jesus left there. Many followed him and he healed all of them, healed all the many who were sick and warned them not to tell anyone who he was. Why did Jesus do that? Have you ever wondered why Jesus would heal a leper and then say, don't tell anyone? You know, Deliver somebody and say, secret squirrel, shh. You know, not allowed to say anything to anyone. Why did he say that? Matthew brings it out in verse 17 of chapter 12. And he says, this was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. Again, another prophecy that has been fulfilled in the life of Jesus. Behold my servant whom I have chosen, my beloved in whom my soul is well pleased. I will put my spirit upon him and he will proclaim justice to the nation. He will not quarrel. He will not cry out loudly, nor will anyone hear his voice in the streets. A battered reed he will not break and a smoldering wick he will not extinguish until he leads justice to victory. He leads justice to victory, and in his name, the Gentiles, all the nations of the world, will hope with confidence. This is in Jesus. This is in Jesus. That prophecy was fulfilled at that time. The prophecy of him being in the grave three days and three nights was fulfilled at the Passover in AD. I don't know when it was, but the truth is, it happened. It's recorded. Pontius Pilate was the the leader of the Roman um, garrison there in Jerusalem. All these other guys line up. But Friday to Sunday doesn't work. But it's when we celebrate it. It's when we commemorate it. But the actuality of it, that Jesus' prophecy was fulfilled. Jesus was in in the grave three days and three nights. Why it had to be that? Ask somebody smarter than me. But three is an important number in biblical um, numerology. Three. There's three, three in the Trinity. There's, there's three in the, the cycle of the moon, the, the sun and the earth in our existence together. The harmony of that. There are so many examples of the harmony of God in creation, the harmony of God in Scripture, the harmony of God in our own bodies, that this harmony... The harmony of Jesus, the harmony of Jesus' message, that it is for whomever will believe it. This is open to anybody now. I've had people say to me, that's okay for you. That's your faith. It's not my faith. It's just, it was a faith that was given to me by God, but I chose to direct it towards the message of Jesus. Each one of us has been given a portion of faith. 
Scripture says if you believe and don't doubt, doubt isn't the absence of faith. Doubt is pointing your faith in another direction, in a negative direction, instead of in God's direction and applying God's word to our life. See, I could get all, there's so many people that get upset about this on, on, um, on the internet. And they're all going on about different stuff and how this is this and that's that. Like they know. We don't even know what's on the internet is real. I went looking. I don't know if these people know when the Passover fell in, in AD, between AD 1 and AD 40. I don't know if anyone knows any of those things. But I do know what the Word of God tells me. I hold on to that more than I do the calendars of this world. I hold on to that more than I do the technological advice and devices that were given in the world today. I hold on to that better than what the government um, assigns me or tells me I'm safe in and I'm free in. I hold on to the Word of God because I know that it held on to Jesus. Jesus held on to it and Jesus proclaimed it. Amen, Stephen. When um, Angel turns up, speaks to Mary, says, you're going to give birth and he's going to be the Messiah. She goes, how is this possible? And he tells her that God, most powerful, is going to overshadow you and the Holy Spirit's actually going to produce life in you. And she said, let it be. Same words, let it be. Amen is what she's saying. I agree with what you, you have now spoken over me. And the angel said, nothing is impossible with God. Now that with God statement there is nothing is impossible with a rhema word from God. She received a rhema word from God, a word in season for a specific thing. And the beauty of that was that it was, out, it was fulfilled. But nothing is impossible with a now word from God. A now word, a now word. Jesus came to set harmony back between us and the Father. And not only that, but He poured out His Spirit. He left so that His Spirit could be poured out. This was the plan from the beginning. This was the plan that God in His divine wisdom had always orchestrated. You might say, why the long route? I don't know. We're humans. It takes us a while to work things out and get it right. But we're in this season. We're here right now. 2021. Easter. 2021. Do you want to connect with the harmony from heaven? You can get a now word from God. You can get a rhema word from God right now. I'm believing that while I've been speaking, God's spoken to you about situations in your life that, oh, I never saw that before, Father. So if you can just stand with me, I just want to pray for you. Pray for us, actually. Have another sip of my rooibos. Thank you, Father, for your Holy Spirit. Thank you for the witness of your Spirit. See, witnessing, when two or more witness something and they agree on it, that just happened. There's such harmony there. Father, we want to agree with heaven today. Father, we want to agree, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We want to unite with heaven today. Father, I thank you for your spirit of intercession, your, your spirit of revelation, your spirit of peace, your spirit of joy, your spirit of counsel, your Holy Spirit of nurture and comfort. Holy Spirit, I thank you 
that you know the Father's heart. You're the discerner of our hearts. So right now, I thank you for a now word, a rhema word. Thank you for your Holy Spirit just saturating each life here right now. Jesus, thank you for releasing your spirit. Father God, thank you for your divine plan. If you need a a word from God in this season, this moment, this is a great time to say, Holy Spirit, speak to me. Holy Spirit of the living God, just saturate my life. His plan wasn't just for the Holy Spirit to be on people. His plan was for the Holy Spirit to work through people, to be saturated, to be infilled with His Spirit. If you've never been infilled, you can just ask the Holy Spirit and just say, Father, I, I want your Holy Spirit to fill me. I need your Holy Spirit to fill my heart, to fill my life, to fill my soul. You can do that right now. Speak to me, Holy Spirit. Fill me afresh. The Word of God says being filled with the Spirit. That means to be infilled daily, to be refilled and infilled, continually filled. Father, I thank you for your continually filling by your Spirit. I thank you for your continual speaking of the Word. I thank you for the revelation of the Word. This week, Father, I thank you for revelation power falling, revelation about Scripture and prophecy, revelation about direction and purpose, revelation about transformation and destiny. Father, I thank you for your power that it's at work within us. Same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, the Spirit of Jesus that raised us, the, the body of Jesus from the dead. If it dwells in us and makes alive our mortal body, I thank you for life, sozo life, complete, whole, healed, saved life in each one of us. No longer crying out, save me, save me, save me, but living in sozo, sozo life. Thank you for the peace that comes from your Spirit. Thank you for the peace that comes from salvation. Father, I bless each individual here. May they lack no good thing. Speak favour over each marriage, over each household, over each individual. Healing over bodies. Rest over souls. And life in each body. Life in each soul. Life in Jesus' name. Oh, Father, I thank You. I rejoice in who You are and who You've called us to be. You are such an awesome Father. And thank You for the harmony, harmony, harmony in Jesus' name. Thanks for joining today. If you'd like to know more about service times or simply want to find out more about church, head to our website, riveredgechurch.com.au.